much, but. Here's, here's how we want you to change what you're doing, even though what you're doing, we're saying, we owe you a great deal of debt. We so easily are able to turn a good thing into a bad thing. And then what happens is this, this sense of peace, this sense of, frustration, this sense of frustration grows, and we don't feel peace. Now, that can happen when we're trying to redefine a hero, but it can also happen in other ways as well. If you're, if you're the owner of Uber right now, how are you feeling? You created a whole system based off of people not being self-centered. You, you created a whole system based off of the goodness of people. You, you don't have a job? Good. If you own a car, I can employ you. Just pick people up and they'll pay you. Cool. And he creates this whole system. But then the system is based off of people doing the right thing. Little did they think that, okay, well, someday there might be a kidnapping that leads to a rape and, and a murder. Oh, well, that all, like, he didn't expect that side, side of selfishness. Or, or the people this week that were, that were picking people up from their homes and, and bring them to where they needed to go, and then all of a sudden, because this person knew that they were gone, he then turned around and started robbing their homes. So, so self-centeredness has a way of, of creating all sorts of tension, all sorts of frustration. We have a way of turning a good thing into a bad thing in our self-centeredness. They did it with the Avengers. Uber is facing that as well. You can, you can maybe be saved from a burning car and have your jeans ripped. Oh, thank you so much for saving me, but you ripped my jeans. Now you owe me a pair of jeans. What? Turn a good thing into a bad thing. What about our mission statement? That we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by what? Relentlessly loving our community. I'm good with that on paper. I'm good with the church having a mission statement like that. Oh, but but when pot smoking Joe shows up to shows up to church high and sit next to me, then I'm not no longer any. I'm not good with that. I'm good with it on paper, on principle. But then when my expectations of how this plays out are not met, what happens? Frustration, and frustration leads to to a lack of peace. Well, when, when Jesus is entering into the city, he's, he's going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem has, has blown up in size because they're celebrating Passover. You have, it's about six times its normal population. So it is, it is completely crowded. There is a huge crowd as Jesus is going to come into the city to eventually go in across, to eventually die, and to eventually rise three days later. But as he's coming in, they're celebrating Passover. Frustration, lack of peace. Why? Because there was a time in Israel's history where they were in slavery. They were under Egyptian rule. And God, being the hero that he is, miraculously pulled them up out of Egypt in freedom. They experienced freedom. And now, hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, Jesus comes entering into a city. Now they're under Roman rule. And they're looking at Jesus for much of the same thing. Are you going to pull us out of Roman rule? And so he comes riding into the city on a, on a donkey. And, 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 and what do they start doing? They start throwing their coats down. They start pulling, uh, throwing their, their palm branches down, Palm Sunday. They start cheering, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. All these good things, all this fanfare. It's all so glorious. But what they're doing is they're treating him much like another historical figure, Judas Maccabee. He's an important, he's an important figure in the Bible, not in the Bible, but, but in the Jewish faith. Why? Because if you know Hanukkah, Hanukkah is based off of this young man's, uh, this person's uh, life. He's a freedom fire. That's where we get Hanukkah. And so they treat him like Judas Maccabee, who a few hundred years before came in wreaking havoc for the Romans. And they did much of the same thing. They're praising him. He's a military figure that's going to bring peace to us as we're under Roman rule. But it never happened. He died. You know, 
You know, it would be like us with George Washington. That's a popular, George can be a popular name. It represents freedom. Where did Judas Iscariot likely get his name? He's likely from the same area of the country as this man, Judas, Ma 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 Judas uh, Maccabee. And so now, he's, now, now, now Judas is going to be disillusioned when Jesus doesn't meet his military nature, when Jesus is not going to come in and, and get them out from under Roman rule. So when Judas is, is disenfranchised by that, it's Judas that's going to betray Jesus with a kiss because he didn't find the peace that he was looking for. So as Jesus rides in, there is all of this fanfare, and he's looking, and they're, they're looking at him as a political deliverer, but is that what they found? It says this, and when, when, they, when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. The Greek is that he's overwhelmed with emotion. He's overwhelmed with grief. He's overwhelmed. Like this is, this is, he is sobbing. He is weeping. This is taken over him. This is, he is gripped with emotion, saying this, what that? You, even you, had known this day the things that make for, what? Peace. Isn't that what all the fanfare is about? Aren't they, aren't they, aren't they applauding him? Aren't they, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Don't they have the vision of peace in mind? And he's looking at them and he's saying, if only you would have known true peace. If only you would have understand what peace is and the hero that I am and am supposed to be. But now they are hidden from your eyes. You have the Prince of Peace as Jesus walks in, to the, rides in on, on a donkey, comes into the city. The Prince of Peace is looking at them and saying, you don't understand. He's looking at all the fanfare. He's looking at all of the uproar. And he's saying, this isn't pleasant for me. You're worshiping me, but this isn't pleasant for me because you misunderstand really who I am. Some of you walked into this place with a misunderstanding of God. You walked in. You joked with the person next to you. On the car ride in, you're like, well, if the church doesn't burn down by the time, by the time I get in there, who knows? Like, you expected the church to burn down. Why? Because your version of God is that he wants to send you to hell and that he enjoys sending you there. You know that you've done bad things, wrong things, and you expect if you come into church that God's up there waiting with some lightning bolts, like lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning, like we're ready to smite, smite people, ready to wipe them off the face of the earth, and he might actually enjoy it. And so because that's your, your image, your view of God, of course, oh, God just hates me. He's going to enjoy sending me there. So you know what? Since that's God, oh, man, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll party it up on earth. I'll live my life here on earth. I'll do me because that's my image of God. But is that the image we get of Jesus in this place? He rides in, and they have a misunderstanding. They're not worshiping him the way that he's supposed to be worshipped. You know what Jesus doesn't do? He's not picking up rocks and like, you stink, you stink, I hate you. He's, he's, not, he's not throwing lightning bolts all around the crowd. What is his posture at their misunderstood worship? As they don't understand who he is, what is his posture? weeping. So perhaps God is not sitting up in heaven right now waiting to send a lightning bolt to pierce your heart and kill you. Perhaps when you think about your life, perhaps it's that same type of an image that God might actually be weeping in disappointment of what is being done, wishing if only they would have known. If only they would have known true peace and what brings true peace. They, they, peace has eluded these people. Peace was in their midst. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, God Almighty, peace in their midst. That walks in. He's in the midst of them. And they do not see it. 
They're looking to create him to be a fake sense of peace, a substitute, not true peace. My, my wife was a, a bank teller before her current, before the job that she's at now. She was a bank teller. And we're part of the, uh, ca- I never have cash on me, but, uh, w- but when we would get some cash, uh, my wife would, uh, would count it for us because she could count it really, really fast. And so we would be counting, and she always used to do it like she would be like, like it, making it rain cash, like counting it really fast. But then what she would do as a bank teller was occasionally she would be counting, and then she'd pause and like run her finger down the, the bill. And I'll be like, paper cut or germs, like both of these are not good with me. Like, like all the germs in the world as you're running your finger down this bill. But she would do that. She would count really, really fast. And then she'd pause and she'd run her finger down the bill. Because she, she said, as, as, I, as, I, as I count money, they can't, they can't possibly train me every single day on all the new fakes, all the new substitute, all, all the fake currency. They, 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 it's recreated every single day. There's new fakes out there, new, new fake cash. And so what, they, what they've taught us to do is to know the real thing so well that when we see a fake, when we feel a fake, when, when a fake comes across the money, that, that we know the real thing so well that we're able to identify what is fake. And we do that with Jesus. We are so tricked by what the world offers for peace. We're so tricked on what God should be or what a hero should be. Why? Because we don't understand the real thing, and so we are duped in a, in a perfect world uh, does do we define the hero or does the hero define himself that changes how how you and i live because if, if the hero is going to define himself then 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 where might you be trying to bend god to meet your every need versus god bend my will to your will it's the difference between god is is it god meet me in my pleasure or god be my pleasure. Because what happens is we create God to be something that he's not. And what happens is we start worshiping a fake God. We start worshiping something that isn't intended to be God. And so, and then what that is, that leaves us, it leaves us with frustration. It leaves us with, with a lack of faith, a, la- a, lack, of, a lack of peace. Because we approach God with, instead of saying, well, here's what we typically do. God, I'm going to inform you how you should bring peace. God, I'm going to inform you how, how this relationship should work out. God, I'm going to inform you versus God, if you are everything, if you are true hero, guess what? God, you inform my relationships. God, you inform my jobs. God, you inform sex. God, you inform how I, how I should go about marriage. God, you inform. Because if a true hero is a true hero, it's him informing us. And this is what Jesus now concludes with. He says, and for the days will come upon you where, where your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surrender and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you. Jesus is prophesying destruction, physical destruction. Guess what happens? Guess what happens? In AD 70, all of this takes place. The city is destroyed. The temple is destroyed. And because why? Why is this destruction coming? Because he says it again. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. He gets a glimpse of the city. He sees all the fanfare, all the worship. And what does he do in that place? 
He prophesies rejection. He prophesies destruction. Now, this is something. If only you would have known. You know how they would have known? You all need to be going to your life groups this week or sign up for a life group because you're going to look more in-depthly in this because you're going to look at Daniel. What happened in Daniel? Daniel has a prophecy of how the future is going to unfold. And he talks about 70 weeks or 70 years, generations, things of this nature. And if you wanted to get all conspiracy theory and you wanted to study that prophecy, here's what you could do. You could extrapolate it out, and you could pinpoint the exact day of the triumphal entry. And so Jesus is looking at them and saying, you had God in your midst, and if only you would have studied, if only you would have done your research, if only you would have given this some thought, you could have known that this isn't a military king coming in. This is Savior to save you from your sins, save you, be the sacrifice. You could have looked, and you could have known but they didn't they didn't understand peace they didn't understand the peace that god would bring seven or so days later five days later where he's hanging on a cross dying for them the cross didn't look like it was and there was peace around that but it was he goes to the cross why because he knows that the wrath of god is is on every single one of us that we have the wrath of god on us why because we have not been perfect we've been worshiping false gods false pseudo gods and he knows that the wrath of god is coming upon us because of that and so he dies in our place to pay the penalty of sin to do something that we can't do for ourselves and he substitutes himself. He, he, is, he, he takes on the wrath of God so that we don't have to experience that. You know what it's like to have a broken relationship restored? It's peace. And so they experience peace, but through Jesus Christ. It's the only way to experience peace with God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many walked in here with so many problems. Do we, do, we, do we maintain a lack of peace within our problems because we don't understand that the peace of God is in our midst, that the peace of God is right here with us? If only we would have known that the peace of God was riding in on a donkey instead of rejecting the Prince of Peace. If only we would have known. Sometimes that's a sorry excuse. You, you might, well, if only I would have known that my boss was going to be a dirtbag, I would have never have taken the job. Well, your boss asked you an illegal question during your interview, but you got the job, so you ignored the illegal question. And you, so you probably did know. Well, if I would have known he was going to cheat on me, I would have never have dated him. Well, you were the side piece to his previous relationship, <laughs> where he was cheating on the previous girl, so you kind of did know. <laughs> if I would have only known that, that you really cared about me, I would have made time to hang out with you. I sent you 45 text messages and a few DMs. What do you mean I don't care? Sometimes we assume what we want to assume. Sometimes we believe what we want to believe simply because we don't like reality. And are they doing that with God? This, this, this is, are, are they ignoring the warning signs and will that hold any weight? See, this is, when I, I, I knew that there were some military type things where military leaders got, got wind of something coming but ignored it and it brought destruction. And so I Googled it and one of the first things that came up was Hitler and the Soviet Union. 
Because, because Hitler in Germany invaded the Soviet Union on June 22nd, 1941. And you know what the end result of that invasion was? The end result was 775,000 German soldiers died. 800,000 Soviet soldiers, Russian soldiers died. Almost 1.5 million people died with that invasion, at the, as the end result of that invasion. But here's what happened. What this, what this article said was that Stalin, who was the leader at the time, had over 100 warnings given to him that this was going to happen. He had, he had his, the head of Soviet intelligence came to Stalin and gave him the, the information that, that would say, this is coming. There were several other Soviet spies that went to Stalin, Stalin and said, this is coming. Ten days before the final invasion, they, there was, in those 10-day time period, there was 47 warnings that depicted the day of the invasion. They had captured German spies that through whatever means that the Soviets were use, using said, this is what's coming. This is the day that it's coming. Hitler has every plan to invade you. But Stalin ignored it. You had a, a Polish lady standing at the border saying, the Soviets are coming. The Soviets are coming June 22nd. June 22nd. And they ignored her. And the final one was they saw. They had all the information. They could see it with pictures and whatnot. The tanks turning. The troops turning. And Stalin passed it off as, well, they're just trying to protect the border. And it led to their invasion, and that led to many, many people dying. At some point, we believe what we want to believe, and we assume what we want to assume. And so how do you respond? Are you going to respond when you stand before God, if only I would have known? Well, you're here, and you do know. You have the written word of God to do research. You came with a friend that might actually be in the know. Perhaps, you, perhaps knowing is at your fingertips. Perhaps that, that, that won't bear any weight. At some point, at some point, if only I would have known is a sorry excuse to ignore God. At some point, there are people that are, are literally in hell right now, facing destruction, wishing that they would have taken what was given to them here on earth, but they chose to reject. So what will you choose Will you choose to accept Jesus like the promised king that he was, like many of the disciples, or maybe a few within the crown? Or will you leave here rejecting him? If we reject Jesus, we will not find peace. Peace is open to those that accept the real Jesus, the real version of Jesus, real salvation. And then what they will receive is real peace. Not how we define peace, but how God defines peace. Peace. If you want to shape God to be who you want him to be, to only be our self-centered desires, guess what? You will never face, you will never find peace because you'll never, he's not going to be like, oh, you want me to be that? Oh, okay, I'll be your little puppet. God has never said, I want to be your puppet. He has said, I want to be your Lord and your Savior. And so our big thought for this morning is that real Jesus brings real peace. If you want to experience real peace, it begins and it ends with the real Jesus. What will you do with him? Will you keep trying to shape him into what you want him to be or you allow him to be who he is? When you and I shape ourselves or allow God's Holy Spirit to shape us into the image of God, guess what we will find? Jesus never fails. He is not a failure. We will find peace every day as we say yes to a relationship with God 
What happens when, when, when Jesus rides in and they're all worshiping him, a, a pseudo king, the, the king that they're trying to make him out to be? What happens when they're, when, when they're making Jesus to be a false king? A few days later, he's going to flip tables. A few days later, he's going to say some hard truths to them. And when, when their version of a king, when their version of Messiah doesn't fall in line with what they want, they're all too willing to yell, crucify, crucify, crucify. Give me Barabbas. But it's when we say yes to the real Jesus that we find true, true peace. We're still doing it 2019 years later. Jesus ain't meeting my needs. Jesus ain't, ain't meeting my version of peace. And so in our actions, in our heart, we are yelling, crucify, crucify, crucify. I'm all over again. Here's, here's what my version of a hero, here's where I looked at this passage and where I marvel at Jesus Christ in this passage is he's okay with being different. He, he, like, think about this. My God, my hero is courageous. He, he comes to this situation. They're all, all the fanfare, all the worship, and he doesn't play into it. He's not like, oh, okay. Like, he's not like strutting around like, I got this going on. Like, he's not, he's not brushing his shoulders off. What he's doing, though, is he pauses to weep, not play into the crowd. In, in all of their fanfare, when someone's giving you a whole lot of nice compliments, do you have the courage to tell them a hard-needed truth? Jesus did that morning. And as they looked to make him a, a politicized Messiah, a politicized king, the second thing I love about my king in this, in this section is that my king is faithful. He doesn't, he doesn't look at the crowd with all of the palms up in the, on the ground and, 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 all, and all of the worship, all, all of what's going on. He doesn't, he doesn't say, he doesn't pause and say, hey, guys, 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 this is a good thing. Thank you for worshiping me. Thanks for, thanks for being here today. But guess what? In a few, in a few days, there's going to be some leaders, and they're going to want you to say, Barabbas, Barabbas, crucify, crucify him. Guess what? That's not fun for me. I don't want you to do that. So let's take this good thing and let's keep it going. He doesn't, in turn, politicize the crowd to build a following to keep him from the cross. Why? Because if he knows if he stepped into their definition of king, that he's not going to the cross. If he doesn't go to the cross, he knows that their misguided peace is wrong. And if he doesn't go to the cross, they will never experience true peace. So he doesn't politicize them because he has to go to the cross if they have any hope, prayer, chance of experiencing peace. And so how will you and I respond to this Jesus? How will we respond to our hero? What, what will we say to the voice of God tugging on your heart right now? What will we say to the reality of Jesus? What will we say to the gift of the Holy Spirit? When we find and we say yes to Jesus, there are Christians in this room that can say, yes, you know what? Jesus' words are true. Peace I leave you. Peace I give you. I don't understand how the world is crumbling down as relationships come and go, whatever it is. I don't understand this, but guess what? As a Christian, I understand peace lives inside of me. There's thousands of people all over the planet right now saying, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. Stop. You know what we have? We have peace because peace is within me. I have peace because I have Jesus Christ. I don't need to go looking for it. I have it as a follower of Jesus Christ. I asked about this on, on social media, and I, I was like, what's the definition of peace? How is this different than perhaps the world? Here's one of the responses. It was, 
From the world's perspective, peace is when, when somebody has everything under control. That's how the world might define peace. But for us, peace is when we acknowledge that we don't have control over anything and that God is in complete control. I, uh, I invited Laura Milan up here when we were looking at the story of Esther. And she was talking about her life, how we could pray for her at the end. She, she's, they're doing a whole bunch of tests that it might be cancer ravishing her body. They, they're still trying to find it out. And every single day, her body is deteriorating. If you know Laura, every day she's riding, waking up with this a little bit more of a struggle as it's hard for her to, to handle life right now from a physical standpoint. After church last week, I'm like passing out on my, on my couch and, and, and my wife is like, Jason, I just don't get this. I was talking with Quinn. We both love Laura Milan so much. And here's what we don't understand. Her body is deteriorating, but she has such peace. How? Why? We don't get it. And so then I woke up Monday morning and I was like, oh, real Jesus, real peace. I need to email Laura because there are people that just don't get how this could happen through her. And so I said, Laura, here's the backstory. What, how do you see peace? Our people need to hear how peace is, 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 is if, if, if cancer is maybe ravishing your body, how are you allowing peace to ravish your body and your spirit? And she says this. She says, okay, this is the simplest way I can put it. Peace and rest go hand in hand. I cannot have either until I choose to enter into both. She says, D.L. Moody describes peace as something God has not left it for us to do. All we have to do is enter into it. So that means the indwelling of Jesus, Jesus living inside of me, gives me peace that I cannot generate myself. I can enter in, I can enter and I can, and I can rest in the fact that if I allow him to take over, my fear, my anxiousness will not have a foothold in my mind or my heart. It's about trusting him with my, every, my very life. I can die to my anxiety because he took it with him to the cross. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. She, she says, so, so for me, that is the best meaning of peace. I am no longer separated from God, so I can, I can let go of the responsibility. I can let go of the burden of my own life. He has got it all under control. How can I not be at peace? then with whatever the world throws at me, like Jesus who is asleep in the boat when the storm is raging all around him. And she closes with words that just wrecked me when I read it. Such simple, beautiful faith. Daddy's in charge, I'm not. And that's where she finds peace. I want that for you. All the searching that you're doing, you will not find it until you find Jesus. If only you would have known, you do know. And what will you do? Will you marvel at a different kind of hero? Will you marvel at a different definition of peace? And when you marvel at Christ, when you find peace, with, when that is yours, will you marvel to the point of saying, God, you inform what I do with my life. And so if you want to hear not understanding peace or not maybe finding a different type of peace or seeking for a different type of peace or maybe life is just so up, turned upside down, here's my challenge for us in this, in this place because here's what I would want to do if I, if my, when my life turns upside down. What I want to do is I want to stop communicating. I want to avoid a relationship where I am not finding peace. So my challenge to us is, will we communicate? Will you go to God? We're going to close with a song. We're going to spend a little time in the song singing, All Hail King Jesus. All Hail King Jesus. Will you, will you, maybe you need to pause in that moment and say, God, I'm going to pray. 
I'm not going to sing right now. I'm going to pray, God, I'm sick of informing you. Will you inform me? If I don't feel peace and there's tension, God, it's likely on me and my thinking or my actions. God, would you inform me? Or maybe you walked in here because of life being turned upside down a little bit. The last thing you felt like doing was singing a song. I don't feel like singing right now. You know what I have to walk home to? You know, I don't even have a home to go to. You want me to sing a song?
like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.